Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined this week by Dave. Becky is off, JL here in a producer capacity, but won't be hearing from him on the show. And ready to dive into uh, what was a a very interesting week for the Rangers and and look ahead uh, as the landscape has shifted quite a bit since the last time we spoke to you all. Uh, Dave, always a pleasure. How are you doing on this fine uh, Wednesday evening as we record uh, ahead of a Thursday morning release? So I am good. My second born finally slept through the night last night. She did not wake up at all until 645, which is fantastic. I am somewhat well rested. I am ready to go. And I was actually able to watch last night. Well, if this is on Thursday, I was able to watch Tuesday night's game in full. So far, so good for me this week. How about you, Rob? Good. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You know, I, I, um, I tend to miss a lot of like first periods or the first like five or six minutes of a game. So when we get those seven thirty or eight o'clock starts, and this is of course due to uh toddler and infant bedtime, uh, you know, that's just seven o'clock, seven Oh seven or seven Oh eight puck drops kind of right in that sweet spot of when you're trying to get multiple children to bed, which is not always, uh, not always an easy thing. Um, so I love me a 7.30 or even an 8 o'clock start. Obviously, you get later than 8, then you're you're cutting into that precious sleep time. But um, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. And, you know, as I was thinking about, you know, what we were going to talk about and, and how we were going to kind of attack this week's show, I, I could not help but laugh, Dave, because we have often spoken of the live from the blue seats. I don't want to know if we want to call it a curse, but just the the jinx, the the... I don't know. We got to come up with a name for it, but the uncanny ability of, of, of this group of people to record an episode of a, of a, of a show about the Rangers and then, and talk about a key point or two key points and have those things completely change in the course of 24 hours. So, uh, last week, are show, we, we the Simpsons? About, I don't are, know. Are we I, the Simpsons? I, I mean, are we the biggest mushes on planet earth? I mean, we better not be predicting like wins and Stanley cups if that's the case. Um, but no, it's just funny, right? Last week we were, we're thinking about, we're talking about lineup stability, you know, Peter Laviolette being very patient with, with how the lineup, uh, with the lineup in general, despite the sort of up and down performances that we saw on the five game road trip. Uh, we were loving the stability. We were loving the, you know, sort of let's adjust tactics and let's not just throw the lines in a blender. Um, you know, let's, let's look at things in practice, right? Let's take a methodical approach as opposed to just again, throwing the lines in the blender because you're pissed off about one stretch of play. And you very astutely said, well, the only thing that could change all of that is injuries. And I think you specifically mentioned Ryan Lindgren, but sure enough in that, that really tough and really entertaining and, and ultimately awesome game against the Carolina hurricanes, Rangers lose Adam Fox. Rangers lose Philip Hedl. Then the next day we learn that Igor Shesterkin gets quote unquote banged up. So one week later, Dave, the Rangers are down three key players. Uh, do Four, we have to Jonathan apologize? Quick. To oh, well, right. And that, that is late breaking news. Just a few hours before we jumped on the mics here that now Jonathan quick is day to day with an upper body injury. So the Rangers are down to their likely their third string goalie, Louis Deming or Dylan Garand. We'll see which way they go. I think that's a question that we may uh, answer as part of the show later, but 
uh, let me just ask you this, Dave, do we owe the fans an apology? Um, you know what? No, you know why it's better to have these injuries in October and November than in April and May. So you should be thanking us that they get the injuries out of the way now. I, I am well, ready to eat my words next week, by the way. The other <laughs> the other facet of that, Dave. No, it's a, I think it's a good point. And, and obviously, you know, you're being, you know, slightly humorous and facetious there. But the other point is, you know, I, I looked at the schedule today and after Sunday's game versus Columbus, the Rangers have five days off. And that is a quirk of the schedule. That is not the bye week. The bye week always happens uh, either right before or right after the all-star break. So this year, the Ranger bye week is, you know, end of January and into the, uh, I think it's, they play on the 27th and then they don't play again until February 5th after the all-star game, which is on February 3rd. So that's the bye week. This is just a quirk of scheduling where the Rangers have five days off, right? So they play, as you're listening to this on Thursday, they play this evening against the Minnesota Wild. Really interesting game that I want to talk about a little bit before we, uh, you know, uh, during the course of the show, they play Sunday against Columbus and then they're off. So, you know, I think for sure the, the strategy here is going to be, let's just, whoever is banged up, let's give them the chance to rest now because the schedule is favorable. The Rangers have built up a nine, two and one record in their first 12 games. And I think they feel like they can go toe to toe with most teams, even when they are shorthanded as they proved uh, the other night against a very good or very solid, I should say, an up and coming Detroit Red Wings team. So uh, I guess that's a good place to start, Dave. How do you feel about the state of the team, even in the face of these injuries, which of course, the most significant, of course, uh, the injury to Adam Fox, which landed him on long-term injured reserve. I have never been more confident in a Rangers team since I want to say January, February of the 2013-2014 season. This team hasn't missed a beat. They're not perfect, but they're dealing with three major, not major injuries, but major players out with injuries. And they went out and they jumped out to a 3-0 lead against Minnesota and, you know, whatever. And then they jumped out to a 5-0 lead against Detroit and they still beat the Carolina Hurricanes despite playing with 16 skaters. There's a different feel to this team this year than we saw since that 2013-2014 season. They're complete. They have they have full buy-in from all the stars. Apparently shaving your head is the key to unlocking heart trophy potential. <laughs> this is the most fun we've had in October in a long time. That's for sure. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And the way that they are consistently able to bounce back, I think that's the most important thing, right? Is that sure. Look, you're going to have bad games. And I think that the Minnesota game, I don't want to call that a bad game. Cause as you said, they jumped out to a three, nothing lead but then, you know, I think not only did a very desperate Minnesota team come really hard at them again, Minnesota went into that game, uh, into that that Saturday night game on a four game losing streak. I think their record was three, five and two at the time. That's a better hockey club than that record indicated. Right. You knew that Minnesota was going to flip a switch and turn around eventually just too much talent. They play, you know, they play a pretty um, aggressive style of hockey that and they have enough players that, you know, look, they're a playoff team. Right. So um that wasn't going to keep up. And 
the Rangers admitted to, you know, taking their foot off the gas, but also I think they were gassed, frankly, from, and we talked about this last week with the, 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 the way the five game road trip was structured, right. Jumping time zones, like, you know, like Indiana Jones, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the red line and the dots all around the map and how, you know, there was no such thing as direct flights in the 1930s and forties in the universe that those films are set in. Um, but you know, jumping time zones like crazy, you know, coming home for that one really rough and tumble division game against Carolina, which was an awesome hockey game to watch. It was, it was probably the best game of the year. Rangers obviously come out on top, you know, getting a late, uh, not a late, but a third period goal from Will Cooley, who's somebody that we want to talk about on the show today. Um, you know, look, it's just a weird game, right? It's, it's, it's not quite a schedule loss, but it's close. It's very close to a schedule loss, that Minnesota game. So, um, but their ability to then bounce back from that game and just, you know, pretty much dominate the Detroit Red Wings. I mean, look, yes, they get a couple of goals in the third period, which were two of the three, which were the result of just, uh, I would call them, you know, uh, you know, uh, scrambled breakdown type plays, right? It's not like they were getting, dominated in the third period and, and the dam just broke, you know, it was kind of a, they got caught on a change. Uh, the second goal, they got caught on a change. The first goal, they got caught at the end of a penalty kill, just kind of, and the, 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 the guy coming back on the ice was a defenseman, right? So they had three defensemen on the ice and two forwards and, you know, a screenshot kind of a, from the top of the circle found its way in. So I don't want to kill them over that. Um, and then the, you know, the, the, the third goal, I'm sorry, the Andrew cop goal was off of a, of a, of a slow line change. So, you know, the, the, uh, despite the fact that Detroit made the score close, I think the Rangers pretty much dominated that game from start to finish, especially at five on five. And that of course is the thing that we've been wanting to see from this team for pretty much since those, those early AV years, Dave, right? Just there, there has not been enough consistency five on five. And, you know, while I, I don't think it's fair to say they're consistent there yet, they've shown the ability to dominate at five on five. And really, I think that starts with defense, right? I mean, I, I think, Chance generation is is something that we're always going to be watching until that, that proven otherwise. But they really it really starts with their d- defensive zone and neutral zone play, and that's what enables them to, for the most part, control games. And you know it's interesting because the way the Rangers have played the last few years. They've been one and done in the offensive zone, and their defense has basically been glassing out. And there was no real forecheck. There was no urgency to their game. And yeah, listen, the Minnesota game was a schedule loss. That was, uh, I'm surprised we didn't call that out last week because it was just an odd quirk to the schedule. And score effects played a role in the Detroit game. The Rangers didn't take their foot off the gas, but they weren't really pressing up 5 nothing. Um, but this is a team that, yeah, they're still not necessarily generating consistent offense yet, but that defense has just flipped the switch. And this is the most structured that we've seen this team defensively since Tortorella, without Mm -hmm. a doubt in my mind. And Tortorella's whole thing was safe as death, but when he was with the Rangers, all he did was play safe, which is kind of ironic when you think about it. They are winning because of their defense, not their goaltending, their defense, and the offense will get there. So the fact that they're still doing this down two key offensive players, you know, this is nice. 
I'm very relaxed about this team, even if others aren't. Yeah. And, and let's kind of, so, so let's jump back a little bit and just, you know, and I know everybody who's listening to the show, you know, you're all diehard fans like the rest of us. So you know what the injuries are, right? We're not giving you any information here, but obviously Adam Fox is going to be out at least, you know, the whole month of November, practically long-term injured reserve, lower body injury. What did you think of the hit Dave by Aho? Did you think it was dirty? Did you think it was intentional? There, there was some debate on this. What was your take? Oh, so it's a penalty regardless. Mm -hmm. It's a knee on knee hit accidental or on purpose. It's a penalty by the definition of the rules. It's a penalty. I'm sorry. It's glass over the puck over the glass. It's a penalty, whether you did it on purpose or not. There's a piece of me that wants to say it was incidental contact because Ajo is definitely skating and he didn't stick his leg out per se but the puck is nowhere near Fox at the very mm-hmm. least it's interference. And since Fox got hurt, the NHL loves to suspend people based off of injuries instead of the actual play itself. I don't know why a nothing was called and B that wasn't reviewed. The puck is nowhere near Fox. And it was, it felt like 10 seconds before Aho even made contact with Fox from the puck leaving Fox's stick. That was absurd. I'm more yeah. pissed about that than I am about no than I am about thinking that hit was dirty or not. I don't know. I don't. I don't think it was dirty. I think it was a penalty, and I think there should have been a suspension based off the injury and based off past precedent that the NHL has set. But I don't necessarily think it was a dirty hit. It wasn't clean, but it wasn't dirty. If that makes sense, it does. And I think it also remember as well you know, the Rangers hurricanes has developed into somewhat of a rivalry, right? And it, certainly not to the level level of Rangers Islanders, you know, Rangers uh, devils, Rangers penguins. Right. But, but uh, you know, they're, they're probably kind of going to take the place at least for a few years of the flyers who are going to be irrelevant as they're in the middle of a rebuild. Right. You know, obviously you kind of hate all of your, in, your intradivision, uh, you know, opponents to some extent, and those things kind of wax and wane over the years. Um, and look, as fans, we watch the Hurricanes, and and frankly, and I think I speak for most Ranger fans here, we hate them, right? We hate everything that they're about. Um, when everybody sort of loved them as the you know bunch of jerks a few years ago, I'm kind of glad that the bloom is off that rose because now they just kind of seem like jerks that no one really likes, right? It's not like a lovable jerk thing. Uh, but it's a hallmark of the Hurricanes to play, you know, basically right on the line of taking a penalty essentially every every sequence of play. Right. And it's kind of, there's, there's an example of this in basketball where, um, and I read this great book. Uh, and if you're a basketball fan, you should check it out. It's called blood in the garden. It's about the nineties Knicks and how Pat Riley kind of forged that culture, which got the Knicks very, very close to winning a couple of NBA championships. Um, uh, and, and they basically became the bad boys of basketball, right? You know, it was the Pistons in the eighties. It was kind of the Knicks in the nineties. And, you know, there's extensive interviews with players and coaches, you know, throughout the book. And they basically said, look, the philosophy was if you commit a foul on every play, like they're not going to call a foul on every play. Like they just can't. Right. So, so you are going to play extremely physical on the line and basically make the refs call a foul on every play if that's what it takes. Right. So I, I think, look, since Brenda Moore has taken over that hurricanes team, that's how they play without the puck. And look, does it enable them to get the puck back quickly? Yes. Uh, so that's part of it. The other thing is, 
uh, and I think we've mentioned him before, and maybe we'll get him on the podcast at some point because he seems to be out there. Uh, he's very friendly to the fan community, but Mike Rupp did a fantastic video breakdown of this sequence. And he pointed out the fact that the Hurricanes play man-to-man coverage, straight up man-to-man in the defensive zone, which is not something a lot of teams do, obviously, because it requires a ton of skating. I think Carolina does it because they don't defend in, in their zone that much, right? That's kind of the point. They're always on the forecheck, so they're not defending that much. But they play man-to-man, and essentially what Rupp saw was, look, Adam Fox is at the blue line, right? He passes the puck off, and then he darts to the net, right? He, he It's kind of a give-and-go type play where he passes the puck, and then he's going to cut back door, and he's going to be wide open in the slot, right? And, and I don't know who else was on the ice with him at the time, but he's going to get a pass in the slot and he's going to be wide open walking down Broadway, nobody on him, you know, one-on-one with the goalie. So Aho knows he's beat and he just tries to get a piece of Fox, right? Which is probably what he's coached to do. If we're being honest, right? That is how the hurricanes play. They, they do not play a clean game. And I'm not trying to sound like a sour grapes fan here or anything like that, but they don't play a clean game. And that's what Aho is doing. Whether you think he's a dirty player or not. I know some of our colleagues in the blue seat blogs chat certainly do think he's a dirty player. Um, He's trying to get a piece of Fox as he's going by. And and the result of the play is a serious injury. Now, look, it's the NHL. They will not tell us. The Rangers, the, the league, no one's going to tell us. And certainly the intrepid uh, reporters, either national or local, are not going to be able to find out what the injury is, right? We know it's a knee injury. Uh, it's clearly not like a torn ACL or anything like that because then, you know, he'd be out for the year and we would know that by now. Um, LaViolette sounded relatively confident that he will be back you know, shortly after his long-term injured reserve window, uh, you know, opens or closes, whatever the right phrase is there. So, you know, look, I'm, I'm so, so Dave, that's a long way of saying I'm kind of right there with you. I don't think Aho is out for blood there, but I do think he's trying to illegally hit Adam Fox in that moment away from yeah, the it's a penalty. It. Yes. It's a thousand it's percent a penalty. penalty. And I, and I think the other thing that pisses me off is that, you know, can we get some protection for star players in this league? I, I mean, to your point, right? You know, no review, no hearing, no penalty called on the ice. And again, I know it's not like a headhunting play or anything like that, you know, but, you know, uh, can you fine them a couple thousand dollars, right? If the maximum allowable fine is $5,000, can we fine Sebastian Ajo $2,000, right? And say, hey, look, no, were, were you trying to seriously injure the guy? No, but was what you did reckless and does it deserve more punishment? Yes. There was no penalty called on the ice. There should be some sort of supplemental discipline here. So that's the disappointment for me. And of course the Rangers get the worst of it because they lose their best player. And they lose it to, in my opinion, the best defenseman in the league. I know everybody's uh, up Cal McCarr's ass for this, but I'm sorry. I think Adam Fox is better because a, I'm biased. Let's just be real. And B, he's been putting up Makar numbers with whatever the hell the Rangers have dressed the last three years. Right. So, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, Makar's on a, on a true contender team, right? Whereas the Rangers yeah. were kind of coming out of a rebuild. And now, look, I, I call them a true contender now, and he plays on an, an on a ridiculously good power play, so he racks up a lot of points there. But no, I I see what you're saying, and I think if you put Makar on the Rangers. He probably puts up similar numbers, but I don't think he blows past what Fox gives the Rangers. And I also think Fox is a better defensive player. I think he just, that is one part of his game that does not get talked about enough. He is a tremendous defensive player, uh, you know, and and 
He does it in a way that is not, you know, flashy or noticeable, but that's good, right? You don't want your defenseman to be flashy or noticeable. You want them to kill the play, get the puck back and bring it up the ice. And that's exactly what he does. Yep. And he's the best in the league at doing that. There's a reason why the Rangers numbers are always crap or the last two, three years have always been crap when Fox isn't on the ice. And it's because nobody else does what he does. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm going to take a silver lining approach here. Fox is out at least through Thanksgiving, probably longer. I think he's out until the last week in November at a minimum. Uh, long-term injury reserve rules are mm-hmm. confusing. Yeah, but yeah. He's getting November rest. 29th, I think. Yeah. yeah, but he's getting the rest. Think about how often we've been watching him in the playoffs, and he just looks gassed. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that has anything to do with the lack of conditioning that both David Quinn and Gerard Gallant had the Rangers not doing, basically. They would just kind of show up for practice and that's it. But he was exhausted at the end of the season because he's playing 25, 30 minutes a game. Maybe if he's out for 10 games, all of a sudden he's not dying in the second round and he looks sl- and he looks slower than Ben Harper out there. Uh, it's a great point, and it's something to to watch. I think with the whole team, as you know, if things stay on track, as you know, as we get closer to playoff time, um, the other injury from this game, uh, significant injury to a skater, was was Filipito probably sustaining. A, he did sustain a concussion. I think we know that. I think that's been confirmed. Um, he is on injured reserve, not long term injured reserve, uh, meaning that he can come back at any time. And that just means that the Rangers have to get, you know, under the max roster size. So, uh, and cap compliant when he does return. So, um, look, this is troubling because Heedle has a history of concussions. Um, he missed time in the preseason as well with a different injury, not a head injury, thankfully, but he's, you know, in the midst of a season now, it's the first season of his, of his new contract. So, um, you know, that's just, that just is what it is. Um, but look, I, he was, he was playing second line center minutes with Lafreniere and Panarin, and that was the Rangers best line, especially offensively. So, um, you know, uh, I guess Dave, you know, this really tests the Rangers center depth, right? Because now you're looking at, for example, in the most recent game, Nick Benino sliding up to the three C spot. Um, and I guess, you know, what was it? Barkley Goodrow taking the the four C spot. So, um, you know, that is, uh, that's troubling, but you know, it kind of is what it is. What, what do you make of the center depth right now? So the fact that the Rangers had multiple options at center is a good thing. And that's a win. Listen, last year we would have, if they, if the Rangers lost Heedle, Goodrow's the third line center. I don't even know who the hell would have been. The fourth line center would have been. They would have called up this, Brian Carpenter maybe, or, or a decision. Oh God. Oh right. God. Um, so when it comes to the center depth, this has kind of given us a little bit of, I guess we can pat ourselves on the back a bit here specifically because we have been talking about the way the roster is constructed and how there's so much more depth for quite some time now. And we're seeing it. The Rangers, they called up Brodzinski and Connor Mackey, and they haven't had to use him yet. I don't like Goodrow as a center, and I don't like Nick Benino as the third-line center, but I'm kind of nitpicking here. They looked fine against Detroit. They have options, and this is the best time for Peter Laviolette to tinker anyway. So 
who am I to who am I to be upset that Johnny Brodzinski, a thirty year old four A player, is not in the lineup over Nick Benino, who I think is getting a little bit of a bad rap for a slow start. But the Rangers look good. This is a good team, and they have the depth now finally to match their high end elite talent up front. Yeah, and and you know to be fair to Benino as well. Um... So he played in the Detroit game on the third line with Will Cooley and Capo Caco. And, you know, I think that line, I think I read in, um, I think it was Arthur Staples write up of the game that, you know, they were the only forward line that was un- uh, below 50% in terms of, I don't know if it was shot attempts or expected goals, but Will Cooley scored a goal. They had plenty of chances to score. You know, I, I think Capo Caco looked fine. He looked like himself. Um, I have no problem with him being shifted to the third line. I have no problem with Blake Wheeler getting a look on the first line, although he took, you know, two pretty bad minor penalties. So I, you know, Laviolette again has not seemed like the type of coach who's going to bench a guy over something like that, especially a, a, you know, a, a revered veteran like Blake Wheeler. But, you know, he, I, I think he, sh- this is, as you said, this is the time now, right? There's some injuries, you know, there's been a tough schedule. There have been some, you know, uh, you know, uh, lax, not lax. That's the wrong word, but, but some, you know, uh, tough stretches of play. So try some things out, um, and see how they go. And, you know, I think what you're seeing here as well is, you know, look, if you have to go to plan B on the second line, which is reuniting last year's second line, right. Panarin, Trocek and Lafreniere. Well, they seem to have picked up right where they let off, left off. I mean, you know, that line last year, I know we don't really remember it fondly and it didn't really have that much time together after November, but that was a very good line in terms of offense, but they were trading chances, right? They were not playing much defense. So, so they kind of ended up right around the 50% mark. They were kind of breaking even in terms of, you know, shot share and and scoring chances share. But, um, you know, they were, again, the, that line was the Rangers best line. And I, I think, you know, Trocek scores two goals, Panarin gets a goal. Lafreniere was I thought was excellent in the Detroit game. I think that was maybe his best all around game of the year. He sets up the, the, the fourth goal by Panarin. Um, and you know, I, I, I just think like you said, Dave, that the depth here it's being tested, but so far it's passing the test. And the thing with Kako, and I really want to focus on Kako for a second, because everybody's like, Oh my God, trade Kako. He has no goals. Oh my God. Blake Wheeler retire. He has no goals. Chill. Chill. Yes, we're aware the right wing scoring is not a strong suit yet, but Lafreniere basically having all of the right winger goals right now. Um, it's been tw- 11 games, 12 games in a new system. Blake Wheeler is 107 years old, give or take. And Kako is Kako's line with Zibanejad and Kreider, they looked fine. They were defensively sound. They were getting consistent offensive chances. They were one of the better lines on the team in terms of generating a cycle and a forecheck and doing this consistently. They just had what? I think they were shooting like five and a half, six percent. I think that I think that's what Lucas said. Maybe I, less, I think it was less. I think, yeah. It was less. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, Kako is not going to be this prolific scorer. He's the guy that does all the dirty work and draws attention to himself. So that way Kreider can get to the front of net and people forget about Zibanejad. That's what his job is. And he was doing it. 
Zibanejad is the scorer on the line, and if he's shooting 3% at even strength, there's nothing Kako can do. He is, Kako is a solid top six player, and the Rangers' third line right now, when healthy, what, Cooley, Kako, and Heedle, that's probably a second line on a lot of teams. Yeah, so well, what are we and, complaining and, about? Yeah, well, so on the other side of the coin is this. Look, I, I think with Kako, he's still getting a feel for, and I don't think it's the pace of the NHL game, right? Because he he's an NHL player, right? It's, he doesn't look like he did when he was a rookie or a second-year player where it was like, oh, wow, you know, is he processing the game quickly enough? But I think he he tends to hold the puck a little too long, right? He's so comfortable kind of dominating in the corner and spinning off checks and, you know, kind of playing that, 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 that deep, you know, in the corner board game, you know, along the boards game that sometimes like he should just be retrieving the puck and firing it to a teammate, right. Keeping it moving. Um, you know, Laviolette has said, um, you know, in his press conferences about the offense, you know, he wants to see movement in the offensive zone, right. He likes when they get not only, low cycles going, but you get that high cycle going where you have a defenseman coming down the wall. You have a forward rotating up top, right? You can maybe get a guy into the middle of the ice coming downhill. Um, I think Kako kind of sometimes kills those sequences because he holds the puck too long. Right. So I think the, so, so, and that's not to say he's a bad player or he's, you know, a bust or anything like that. But I, I think the logic at least of Blake Wheeler is that look, he's an experienced, uh, he's an experienced player. He's a big body and he's a playmaker by trade. I mean, that's what Blake Wheeler has always been. He's always been a passer. He's got some, you know, 50 plus assist seasons. He had 55 points last year as a, you know, a, in a reduced role in Winnipeg. Right. Um, so, uh, I think the, 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 the logic of putting him with Kreider and Zibanejad is look, he, you know, he'll move the puck quickly. He'll get that on the, he'll get it on the stick of Zibanejad, maybe a little bit quicker than Kako will. Um, and and I think that that's fine. I, I think, again, like you said, Dave, this is the time to take a look at these things and assess what you have and assess what you need. But also, these lines have been perfectly fine and they've and, and they've given the Rangers chances to win every game. I mean, as as bad as two thirds of that Minnesota game was, they still got a point. Uh, thank you, Jonathan Quick. Thank you, Chris Kreider, for a beautiful deflection goal off of a set face off play. Um and then they come out, you know, again, uh, and and pretty much dominate Detroit. And, you know, people love Detroit. Detroit is one of those teams this year. They've got a lot of names. You know, Dylan Larkin is is playing at a, a relatively elite level. Um, you know, people love Mo Sider and Lucas Raymond. And, and they, you know, they they have, they went out and picked up some, some veteran help. You know, Iserman's the GM. Everybody loves him. The Iser plan, all that stuff. So Detroit's a sexy pick in the Atlantic division right now. Uh, division that people thought, you know, Tampa might be down, Boston might be down, uh, dead wrong. Well, I don't Boston. know what the hell got right. into Boston this year. I don't, I don't want to talk about them yet, but it pisses me off every time I look at the scores and, and they've won the game, won their game. Um, you know, look, Detroit is, again, they were kind of a sexy pick and the Rangers pretty much embarrassed them for two periods. I mean, it was not a game until the third period and it was because of a couple of broken plays. So, um, and that was without three of their best players. So, Again, Dave, you know, I think, you know, to your point, you know, yes, the injuries are what they are. And, and it's, it's, a it's concerning, right? Because you want Adam Fox to be healthy. You want, especially with Philip Heedle and that being a head injury, you don't want that to have any long-term ramifications. And he's now on his, I want to say this is his fourth concussion. Um, 
So that's troubling. But and of course, Igor Shosturkin having quote unquote minor soreness. No one knows what that is. He did have that awkward play in the Carolina game where he came up a little bit lame, obviously finished the game and and won the game. Um, you know, it's, it, it, it's, again, so far their depth has withstood the challenge. And, and I think, you know, a couple of guys I want to talk about before we get to the couple of questions we have. Um, one of those players that has really stepped up and played well and also shut me up a little bit because uh, I had a little bit of a Twitter rant on this uh, is Eric Gustafson. Uh, what do you think about Gustafson so far? What an amazing $800,000 contract that when, when he was signed, I think everybody except like two stack guys were over the moon for it because he had fantastic numbers with Washington. He knew Laviolette system and it was an $800,000 a year contract. And he has paid off that entire contract in 10 games. It's amazing. I love the guy. And he's just, he, for me, yesterday in DFS and Daily Fantasy, he was, he, he was amazing for me yesterday. So <laughs> thank you for winning me some money, Gustafson. Uh, I think that, and the, you know, I kind of, again, said I, uh, he's shutting me up because, when Fox went down in the Carolina game, I was texting with the group chat and with uh, some friends. And I think I might've even gone on Twitter with this. I said, look, you know, and I think somebody else was pointing this out as well, but the facts that the fact that Adam Fox is a right-handed shot at the top of their power play is seemingly very important, right? Because it enables him to feed Zibanejad to his left for that one timer, right? And do it in kind of a fluid kind of one motion, right? His, his stick is facing that way. It's an easy pass to make. Um, and so a lot of people on Twitter, I wasn't the only one were saying like, oh, well, you know, do you want to put Gustafson up there? He's a, he's a left-handed shot. You know, I, I floated the idea. Do you go five forwards, right? Do you put maybe a, a Cooley or a Kako out there and you put Panarin back in Fox's spot? Um, and I just feel like an idiot. And I sounded like an idiot because Gustafson has done absolutely fine at the, at the top of the power play, you know, playing that kind of central point position. Um, no problem moving the puck around. He's got such a good feel for uh, the timing and rhythm. Of course, it helps that he's playing with, you know, four guys who have been together for years now. Um, and, and that power play has been automatic. I mean, I think it's operating at over a 34% success rate right now. So um, yeah. And, and look at, at even strength, he's, he's absolutely fine. Gustafson, he's, he's a solid defensive player. Uh, so far, the 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 pair with him and Lindgren is working, um, and you know, I, I, not much more needs to be said. I don't think. I, you know, I guess the only other thing, Dave, uh, maybe that I'd like to get your thoughts on is, you know, why, you know, what about the power play? I mean, other than Chris Kreider being just ridiculous, um, what about this power play is working so well? You know, what? Why is it even better than it was last year and 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 the previous year? Why is the power play better this year? I mean, I maybe there is I, no reason. I you know, I don't know. I just, I don't. I don't think there's anything specific for us to pinpoint. I just think it's a combination of bad teams that they, for the most part, they played against bad teams and bad. The bad teams always give up power play goals to the Rangers. And just, you know, they're on a heater right now. 
I don't think there's anything tactical that they've changed. Their personnel like the same. I think it's the, the typical one, three, one. And I think they are moving more. I think that's a big key is they're not static, yeah. which we saw mm-hmm. a lot, but that's not really a specific tactic that they're changing. That's just them actually being engaged in the game. Maybe that's all it is as I'm talking myself through this. Maybe it's just, they care more. There's more buy-in with the coach. They realize, hey, we kind of fucked up last year. We have to kind of get our shit together this year. And there's enough veterans on the team that they're just dialed in. And when you have that much elite talent that's dialed in, you're going to shoot 35% on the power pl- I mean, they're not shooting 35%. You know what I mean? You're going to yeah. convert at a 35% rate. Yeah, well, and I think I don't Darren know. Pang... I think it's a good point. No, especially about the mo- the movement, right? And that's something that again Laviolette preaches at five on five, but uh, but also on the power play. And I think even you know Darren Pang called that out on the TNT broadcast during Tuesday's game. Was you know he basically said, "Look, this power play doesn't stop moving." And you know, look, they they can score out of setups. They also scored kind of off of a broken play last night. The the, the Trocheck power play goal, which you know was just kind of Kreider went in and swiped a puck away from a Detroit defender, landed on Zabanajad's stick, and he you know, Trocek was just wide open in the slot. They're just, they're dialed in right now. And, um, you know, there's a lot to account for too. That, that was, you know, one of the other things I noticed between periods, they were kind of breaking down the power play and, you know, Chris Chelios, who I like, and I think, you know, is, is a good add to that show. You know, they were kind of breaking down the Kreider deflection goal. And he was like, well, you know, somebody should be kind of marking Kreider here and in front and kind of getting in his, you know, getting in his kitchen a little bit, give him a couple of shoves. Uh, you know, Puck Puck goes over to Panarin, he, and he said, you know, Panarin's not really a shooting threat. And actually, you know, Panarin has been shooting the puck a lot more now, both uh, at even strength for sure, but also on the power play. You know, he he walks down that right side, and if he doesn't see a pass that he likes, he'll just fire it at the net. Um, and so you have to account for the Zabanajad one timer, Kreider in front on a deflection, Trocheck in the bumper spot, Panarin shooting from the wing. And obviously, you know, the the defenseman at the point, whether it's Fox or Gustafson, you know, all they really need to do is get a wrist shot through with traffic to, to make a goalie's life hell. So it really does not have a weak spot. And uh, it's something to behold because, Dave, you know this. Uh, we've been both been watching this team a very long time. There were years and years and years where this, I mean, you wanted them to decline the power play. <laughs> and that is not oh the case my God. anymore. I, I remember one of the first memes that actually stuck with me i think it was 2015 it was mufasa and simba staring at the sunset (laughs) and it's dad what's a power play goal i don't know son we're ranger fans yep (laughs) that one made the rounds (laughs) uh, some of the years kind of in the even before that too in like the 09 2010 2011 early torts years, like some of the units they put on the ice for power plays were just, it was dire. I think Girardi was on the power play for quite a long stretch Girardi of time. Girardi was on the power yeah. play for a while. <laughs> Oli Jokinen was on the power play. Alesh Kodalik was on the power play. Oh my God, yeah. these names. Uh, so, you know, uh, let's appreciate what we have here with the with the current Rangers power play, which yeah. again, at this point is, is pretty much automatic. Um, last time have- I want to... Hold on. Before you get to that, I just want to go through what the Rangers have on the power play. You have, in my opinion, the best defenseman in the NHL and the best puck mover in the NHL. You have, without a doubt in anybody's mind who's thinking clearly, the best net front presence in the NHL. Mm -hmm. Bar none. You have 
one of the best one-timers at the off-wing in Zibanejad. Mm-hmm. You have bald Panarin, which is apparently regular Panarin on steroids. <laughs> and then <laughs> you just have Vinny Trocek, who's just kind of there. <laughs> well, right, but... You know, I, but I like also... Trocek. He does a good job at the bumper role. Like, the bumper's a very subtle role. TJ Oshie, I think, is one of the best bumpers in the NHL. Uh, but Trocek does good, at, does well there. It's just funny that you have all these guys, and then it's just like Trocek just like waving at you, going, "Hi guys, I'm here too." Right. But like, this is a ridiculous power play. I don't think anybody's yeah. thinking to realize that the Rangers have the best two of the best two guys who are the best at what they do in the NHL. In my opinion, you have two guys who are at least top five in what they do in the NHL, and they're all on mm-hmm. one unit. Well, and that's, and that's also look, and I, I hear the, uh, the complaints and concerns about ice time for laugh and Kako and Heedle and those guys on the power play, but no coach, you know, whether it's David Quinn or Gerard Gallant or Peter Laviolette, I think this is one thing they share and they're all right about it. You're just not taking those guys off the ice when they're, when they are really, really hot. Now, look, I think Laviolette will be quicker to recognize when they do in, go into a little bit of a, of a cold stretch or a slump. Um, he will give the second unit a little bit more time. And I think on a couple of occasions this year, he's actually started power plays with the second unit on the ice uh, if the first unit really wasn't uh, cohesive. But, uh, you know, uh, look, they're, if they're going well, uh, they're going to get at least a minute and 30 seconds out of a two-minute power play. And I don't think anybody can rightfully complain about that. So, um, as I said, something to appreciate and, uh, and enjoy, even with Adam Fox out of the lineup, which just shows you how valuable an addition Gustafson has been. Um, one more guy that I want to just talk about quickly. Um, Will Cooley scores his third goal of the year against Detroit and really was a noticeable force the whole game through a bunch of really good, hard, clean and effective hits, right. That were kind of part of the four check or part of the defensive game where, where, where they helped to turn the puck over um, actually seemed to have decent chemistry with Kako, you know, for, for a first game together. And I think that that, you know, people have actually made that comment that when Heedle gets back, you know, do you keep Kako there and move Trocheck down and what a pain in the ass of a line that would be to play against, right? Cooley, Trocheck and Capo Kako. I mean, that's, that's a big boy line that, that can not only generate offense, but would be a bitch to play against. Um, but, you know, Will Cooley's, he's, it just kind of hit me last night watching the game, Dave. And I, I think I tweeted this out and apparently a lot of people agree because it got quite a few likes. Um, I think he's going to be a really good Ranger for a long time. He just seems to have it, you know, and uh, our, our, our dear friend uh, and, and Blue Seat Blog's colleague, uh, Connell, um, you know, he is a Will Cooley guy. He, Will Cooley is like his type of hockey player. Um, and I think we've talked about this a little bit. He's almost like a little bit of a throwback to, to the Ryan Callahan, Brandon Dominsky type of Ranger. Um, I think he'd, he'd have fit right in with that group of the black and blue shirts. So what are your early impressions of, of Will Cooley so far? First, I want to thank Leah Sanderson, you know, finally contributing to the New York Rangers. I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, Cooley is the new age Sean Avery. And, and like I'm not talking comparison. about the Sean Avery that got in Marty Brodeur's face and did the whole Avery rules thing for those who were around to remember that. I'm talking about when Avery was actually a good hockey player. He knew how to toe the line. 
Yes, and we saw that. But Avery, when he was doing that, his first stint with the Rangers, he was an excellent hockey player, and people forget mm-hmm. that. Cooley does all of that without the added distractions that Avery brought. And listen, I loved Sean, I loved Sean Avery as a Ranger. I really did. Me too. Cooley does it without all of the drama, and he's just a good all-around blue-collar hockey player that puts the puck in the net. What yep. a great draft pick that was. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and actually, Dave, I had not thought of that, but I think it's so true. I think he basically, and he's a bigger guy, right? I mean, look, Sean Avery, for all this feistiness and physical play, was not a big player. Um, Cooley is. Cooley is like Tom Wilson size. He's like 6'3", 220, and, and, but he skates like the wind. I mean, he's a really good, uh, really good skater. He has a really good shot. Um, you know, if Blake Wheeler could finish early in the year, he'd probably have a couple of assists. He, he put a couple of golden chances right on Blake Wheeler's stick and, you know, he just couldn't finish, but it, you know, look, you were just mentioned Avery. It prompted me to bring up his stats. And to your point, that first stint with the Rangers, right. When they traded for him during the 06, 07 season, he played 29 games. He put up 20 points, eight goals and 12 assists. He was instrumental on that team, making the, the run to the second round that they did. The following year, he played 57 games and he had 33 points, right? He had 15 goals and 18 assists. So in 86 games, right, that first go around, um, he had 53 points. So, you know, again, people have an idea in their head of what Sean Avery is, and that is certainly valid, right, given the way he acted both on and off the ice. Uh, And the way he's acted off the ice since he left the NHL has, I'm sure in a lot of people's minds, uh, not helped either. But just looking at that, th- those two or those, you know, two partial seasons that he played his first go around before going to Dallas. Um, you're right. I, that's exactly how Will Cooley plays. I think if you look at that point total, that's kind of right around what Cooley could top out at at an 82 game season, right? Mid 40s, maybe low 50s in terms of points if he gets the ice time and a little bit of power play time. I mean, again, we're projecting so far into the future here, but I think he's a very valuable. Uh, piece to this team moving forward. He's obviously cheap scoring depth, which is huge, as you always bring up, Dave, when you're trying to build a team in this in the hard cap era. And as you said, a, another fantastic draft pick by the Rangers who have had some sneaky good drafts over the past few years. Yeah. Cooley is the exact kind of guy you want in your bottom six right now. He could develop into kind of a middle six player, Mm-hmm. if he puts up enough offense. But if he's a 30-point winger, the way he plays, he is an ideal third-line winger. If he winds up getting to 40-45, he can float in the on the second line as needed. He can kill penalties, obviously. He is just a good hockey player. And these are the kinds of picks that the Rangers haven't had luck with lately because – especially at the draft with the, in the later rounds where all they've been doing is drafting big guy fall hard. <laughs> they got Cooley who, who I'm actually looking up his, what, what is he? Uh, Cooley six foot three. Holy shit. The big dude. Yeah. I, I mean, did he, not you know, think he was that big. Yes. And he like, you know, actually said during the draft process, I think he did an interview and he said, kind of models his game after Tom Wilson. And if he could, if he could be that player, and again, without the antics, without the dirty play and and, and all that. Um, but look, Wilson put, I think he's got a couple of 50-point seasons uh, under his belt. Uh, if Cooley becomes that, that's a that's a home run. 
And Wilson only did those, got those 50-point seasons playing with Alex Ovechkin. Cooley's playing with who? Well, Blake Wheeler and Trocek until until recently. Yeah, now he's playing yeah. with Nick Benino and Capococco. Benino ain't exactly what you'd call a, a great offensive player. And Kako, yeah. as we've seen, he's still adjusting to North American ice. What I think that's uh, one of the main reasons why he's still holding the puck too long, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, so that, that does kind of segue into, uh, our first question here. And I, I know you might have one on your, um, that you, that, you know, that someone sent to your, uh, Twitter handle Dave, but, uh, just looking at what came in, uh, on the live from the blue seats, uh, Twitter handle this one from bill to spill John Cougar, Colleen camp, who's dubbed himself an alternate captain now on Twitter, by the way, it says a next to his name, which I think is fantastic. That's um, hilarious. Is Will Cooley a legitimate threat to Chris Kreider's Calder run? Uh, great question. Um, you know, listen, Kreider is a, he's going to win that Calder eventually, right? Um, but no, uh, t- to sort of put a slightly serious spin on the question um, and just wrap up on Cooley here, you know, look, he's not going to get any Calder buzz. He's just not going to put up the scoring numbers to do that. But he certainly projects to be again, just uh, another guy that, uh, that you can count on, uh, and that you can keep on the team. Right. So, and this is again, one of those things also that like, you know, Rob Luker will always talk about, right. Why, why it's, it's not smart to go out and sign depth for big long-term money, right. Because you can find and or develop those depth pieces internally and through the draft. And and there's always guys on the scrap heap. You can bring in like Gustafson for $850,000. Um, Cooley's a guy that you can just keep in house for a reasonable price, right? He's not really look, unless he develops into a 90 point scorer, in which case you've struck gold anyway, he's always going to be around for a reasonable amount of money. Um, and you know, that is, uh, such a value, even if the cap goes up in a few years, which I'm sure it will eventually the way, you know, franchise values seem to be rising around the NHL, uh, which is great, but you know, the owners don't seem to want to acknowledge that. Um, he, I think he's just going to be someone that uh, is going to be a really good ranger for a long time. Like, a, like I said on Twitter the other day. So i um, very excited to, to watch Will Cooley play the rest of this rookie season for sure. And maybe he does uh, put up enough goals to get himself into a Calder conversation. Who knows? I mean, the question specifically, at least the way I read it was, is Chris Kreider finally going to be out of the running for the Calder Trophy. And I think Cooley has a little bit more to do before he knocks off Kreider from his Calder perennial Calder run. <laughs> I think there's a long way to go there. But, you know, I'm kind of annoyed that Kreider hasn't won the Calder yet. I mean, it's kind of annoying. But what else can you do? I can't complain anymore. The one thing with Cooley I want to point out is, like Luker said, you don't, pay for depth if Cooley listen if he turns into a 90 point guy you're going to pay him and you're going to keep him but if he's a 30 point guy and all of a sudden he's commanding Barkley Goodrow money depending on where the cap ceiling is of course if the based off today's cap ceiling you got to cut him loose you learn from your Goodrow mistake and this is coming from somebody who likes Goodrow I like the way he plays you can't tie up that kind of money into 
$3.6 million into a third, fourth line player. I'm sorry, you can't do it. Right. You pay your no, elite that, talent, you fill it with you fill the roster with rookies like Cooley, and either Cooley develops into something that goes into the top six or he stays at a manageable contract for his role. Yep. And that's the key thing. Manageable contract for the role he's playing. Goodrow does not have that contract for the role he's playing. Yeah, no, definitely a fair point. And I think look, the advantage for the Rangers is this is not certainly not a question for anytime soon, right? He's a rookie. So this is the, uh, I guess this is the second year of his rookie deal now. Would he be in? The, oh yeah. This, this is works. like a five, six year conversation. Like right, we're exactly, five, six years yeah. away from having this conversation. I don't mean this is happening anytime soon. Right. No, but, but to your point, uh, it, it, it you want to not, you know, overpay as well for, you know, and give guys like a bonus be, just because they are homegrown. Right. And, and that's where the, ruthlessness of the business has to come in. You know, you can't do what the Rangers did with Girardi and Stahl, you know, so many years ago. So, but again, that's yeah. not, not, not a subject we want to uh, dive into right now. Um, no, but it is a great topic for maybe one, maybe next week's pod when we only have one game to talk about one or two games to talk about. Maybe we can dive into that. That's true. Yeah, no. And that's going to be, uh, it's an interesting, yeah, week because there are no games. So, uh, we'll see where the Rangers end up uh, after these next two here. But uh, next question from Michael Silvers, M. Silvers, 1979. Should Mika shave his head too? Yes. Yes. I don't I, know. I, 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 th- there is absolutely no logic involved here. If bald heads is what unlocks the Rangers' potential, every single one of them should shave their fucking heads right now. Every single I, one of them. I don't care how great their hair is. All right? I Yeah. Uh, all I know is that you're going to be hearing from people about that because people love Mika's flowing locks. Well, but... that's actually a great segue into the third question. <laughs> that's true. It is. Uh, the next question. Well, yeah. Are you talking about this one from Spozo211? Yeah, that's a great question. Bare knuckle fight. Becky versus Dave. Who wins? Becky. <laughs> Dave says Becky. I I say Becky too. I don't think anybody is picking me in this one. Not no. a single person is going to pick me. Now, if it's my wife versus Becky, I Ooh. might pick my wife because she's Russian. <laughs> yeah. And I've I seen her throw a punch. Ooh, that's a story for off the air. No, 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 no. She didn't actually hit somebody. Like... <laughs> she just has good form. Like you've seen her in a boxing class. Um, She has good form and she can pack. She can throw a punch she didn't hit me either people chill um she could throw a punch uh yeah i have nothing to add to that i mean i'm I'm, (laughs) no no offense to you dave i'm definitely picking becky in that question Um, i'm picking becky too well who the fuck wouldn't pick becky who the hell if you're picking me in that in that question if you're picking me please let me know on twitter i want to know why (laughs) because there's absolutely no logical reason for you to pick me in that Great question, though. Thank you to uh, Kevin at Spozo, S-P-O-Z-O, 211, friend of the pod. Uh, Dave, do you have one other question that someone sent over to you that you want to get to? Yep. That is actually from Tyler. Um, oh, great. So the reason, so just for folks who are wondering why we have a couple of different tweets out for the questions, we were a little bit delinquent in getting the question tweets out. I didn't tweet until 7 o'clock. 
I don't think the pod account tweeted until 7.45, so kind of jumbled it a little bit. But Tyler asks, who's in net tomorrow, Spicy Pork or Dylan Garand? Right, and so uh, we did not discuss this at length, although you did mention it, Dave. Obviously, Jonathan Quick showed up on the injury report uh, late in the day on Wednesday, if you're listening to this on Thursday morning. Um, with an upper body injury, and he is considered day-to-day. So the Rangers recalled both Louis Domingue and Dylan Garand. Garand, I don't know how you say that. Let's go with Garand for now. Uh, So both Garand and Domingue were recalled. It is very likely, I would say, that they are the goalie tandem uh, for Thursday night's game against Minnesota. Uh, I would imagine the Rangers will be very cautious with their 37-year-old backup who is we have to say it off to a fantastic start. He's been excellent so far. Yeah, I um, think we owe him an apology too, by the way. Maybe that's also for so. next week, just the apology tour. That might be the, that's a good idea. Um, I can imagine though, you know, again, speaking of that light schedule, no games next week, essentially, I can't see any reason at all that the Rangers would risk putting Igor Shesterkin back in early or Jonathan Quick uh, into the net when they know that they have five days off. And then if you look at the schedule after that, it's pretty much every other day with quite a few back-to-back sprinkled in until that January break. So um, other than the Christmas break, right, there's three days off around Christmas. So um, this is the time, as you said, Dave, the, the injuries, you know, that while there's never a good time for your best players to get hurt, it's about as fortunate as it gets because the schedule is pretty favorable. Um, but but let's answer Tyler's question. Would you go with Deming, who is a, you know, He's a, he's a third stringer, but he's a proven NHLer. Or do you try the kid Garand, who is off to a good start in Hartford? You have to play Deming in this situation. Minnesota, as you said, has a very strong offense, and they are much better than their record shows. So you don't want to kill your top goalie prospect's confidence right away. Mm-hmm. I mean, not everybody can pull a McKenzie Skapsky. Help me out with his last name. Yeah, no, you said it right. It was Skapsky? Skapsky, yeah. He had two Ks. Yes. So not everybody's going to pull that out. But remember, he went up against Buffalo for both of those games, and that was when Buffalo was a disaster. You know, Mm -hmm. Minnesota and Columbus have great offenses. You got to throw the – how old is Deming? 31. It's like 31. Yeah, 31, 32. Yeah, he's 30. No, looking at his cap-friendly page, he's 31. Um you don't you don't worry about Deming's confidence. He's expect high scoring games, expect track meets on both of these games. Throw Deming in there. Lickerand, watch from the bench, maybe fill in if Deming lets up 35 goals. And that's it. Let him get a taste of what an NHL locker room and an NHL bench is. But Garand is an answer to a question that people don't want to have and a discussion people don't want to have right now but we'll maybe talk about that in the future but you don't torch Garrett. yeah i tend to agree i also one one thing that i'll i'll slightly disagree with uh that you said there dave is that not that i don't think it could be a track meet but i do trust the rangers to and this is regardless of who's in net i trust the rangers to play a pretty good lockdown defensive game in front of their third string goalie, right? That is definitely going to be a point of emphasis for Peter Laviolette, right? He's basically going to have them prepared and say, listen, we know what we have to do, right? This let's make this a low event game. Let's not give Minnesota the type of time and space we gave them on Saturday night. Um, 
and you know let's let's play our game right which you know look so, sometimes a good ranger game these days is is not an offensive you know it's not an offensive you know an offense first game or a, or a high scoring high uh shot chance shot and chance game um they prefer to play puck possession they prefer to you know limit the opposition's chances clog up the neutral zone right all those things we've we've been talking about since the season started um I would expect them to be pretty detailed in front of a third string goalie. Um, but to your point, given Minnesota's talent, you know, given what they have on the power play too, you know, I'm sure they're going to get a couple of power plays, Kaprizov, Zuccarello, uh, Boldy, uh, you know, uh, the, you know, they've got guys, they've got guys who can make plays. So, um, you know, you're not out there against the San Jose Sharks here. So, um, and same thing with Columbus, as you said, they, they can score goals. So, um, I think you go Deming both games, frankly. Um, even though apparently Igor is pretty much a full go, he was a full go in practice on Wednesday. Um, I would not rush him back. You're nine, two, and one. You've done a great job getting off to a fast start and banking points early in the season. Don't rush your star goalie back. Don't rush your backup back because, as we've seen, the backup goalie is a very important position. And so far, Jonathan Quick's off to a fantastic start. Yeah, they're, they're, like you said, there's no need to rush them. So. Now you got a little bit of time, and you're a thousand percent right. It's not going to be a track meet. It may be high scoring, but it's not going to be a track right, meet. Right, right, right. Um, so that's it. Thanks for the questions, everybody. Um, Dave, any final thoughts here as we head into uh, again two games and then a week off? So Thursday, both home games. The Rangers are finally evening out. They, I think, Tuesday against Detroit was only their third or fourth home game of the season. Uh, so they play at home against Minnesota and then at home Sunday night against Columbus. Two teams they've already seen this season. They actually lost to both of them. So certainly a little bit of revenge on the mind going into uh, both games. Any um, any final thoughts? I'm a little bit surprised at how terrible the Atlantic division is. Yeah. Just nothing to do with the Rangers. I'm just very surprised at how terrible that division is. I mean, other than Boston, who I think the Rangers are nine, two and one through 12 games. Boston is 10, one and one. And yeah, the rest of it's kind of a muddled mess. I think you could say the same thing about the Metro right now, although I know Carolina's, you know, gotten better and they've certainly, um, you know, uh, evened out after a really bad start defensively. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, the Atlantic seems to be a little bit mediocre at the moment. Yeah, the Atlantic is Boston 10-1-1. Oh, they actually lost. Um, they did lose, finally. Yeah, Tampa has four overtime losses, overtime shootout losses. They're 6-3-4. and four. Detroit is third in the division. Like, yep. come on. Third in the division, Detroit. Give me a break. Meanwhile, the Metro, the top three are what you expected. Maybe not in this order, but the top three are the Rangers, Carolina, and the Devils. Mm-hmm. And the Devils just lost their two top centers for God knows how long at this point. Although it's nice to see the penguins in last place. Yes. And I hope that persists. Um, no, I'm just it's, shocked it's, at how bad that division is. I just, I didn't expect that. No. And, and, and it's early, but 12, 13, 14 games into the season is not nothing. And, uh, you know, as we approach Thanksgiving here in a couple of weeks, that's the quarter pole. And that's where, you know, as everybody knows, we talk about it every year. If you're in a playoff spot on Thanksgiving, you've got, what, a 70 80% chance of, of making the playoffs. So these early season games are important. It's great that the Rangers have gotten off to the start that they have. Um, and, no, that's an interesting point. It, it'll be – I'm fascinated to see how that Atlantic division turns out. Um, yeah, I mean, just 
my final thought is again, I'm very impressed by the Rangers ability to bounce back. You know, it, it does not seem like they get into ruts that last too long, which is great. Um, and, um, I am expecting them to play really two good games here against opponents that they've lost to. I think that that's something that, you know, again, Laviolette has this team dialed in and, and I don't think he will, um, I don't think he will let them forget what Minnesota did to them. And I think they'll all remember that, that first loss of the season to Columbus. So expect a couple of good games from the Rangers. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll assess things during the, uh, sort of quirky week off that we have coming up next week. So, um, as always, we really appreciate everybody listening to live from the blue seats and we will talk to you next week. (laughs) 